You're listening to Chief Executive Auntie, the podcast exploring the work lives of Asian Americans beyond the conventional doctor, lawyer, and engineer. I'm your host, Jennifer Duan Fultz. Welcome to the show to a very special episode of Ask Auntie. I should probably introduce myself a little bit. Um, Ten episodes in, I realize I haven't done that yet. My name is Jennifer Duan Faltz. I am 32 years old. I born and raised, educated, church, schooled in the Midwest, mostly in Columbus, Ohio, but now in the wonderful pastures of Southern Indiana because I've married somebody who follow who goes to universities in the Midwest. Um, I have one child. Um, he's three years old, three and a half at this point. Um, in my past life, I was a high school science teacher. Um, I still sometimes shout at teenagers about sex. Um, that's just has never left me. <laughs> and I have been a freelance everything for about three years. And my co-host today is Virginia Dwan, no relation that we can prove at least. Um, and I will let her introduce herself. Hello, I'm Virginia Dwan. Again, no relation, but the main reason why we're friends. Well, not the main, but a contributing reason to why there was instant trust and perhaps an oversharing of details when we first met online. Around Thanksgiving, I think, or Christmas. I think so. Like two years ago, three. I am a writer, uh, freelance, and I also uh, manage clients' social media. I'm 41, 41, and I have four children whom I bilingual homeschool. That was a bad decision, but now I'm stuck with it. And uh, the oldest is turning 10 in a few weeks, and then an eight-year-old girl, and then six-year-old and a three-year-old. So one girl, three boys. And that wasn't a bad decision. That was a good decision, I guess. But that had nothing to do with me. <laughs> and uh, previous life, I guess, I have been, I used, I started off as a lab tech. And then I was in online marketing for several years, working as starting from a grunt to a president in a small internet company. And then I was a financial advisor for several years almost a decade, birthed children, and then changed everything and became like a blogger, writer, editor person. And now, auntie advisor. Exactly. <laughs> Auntiepreneur. So we went around and collected advice from other Asian Americans about mm, important things to do before you turn 25. This was inspired by a conversation inside the Mochi magazine Slack. Somebody was turning like 22 or like five or whatever. I don't know, whatever it is. <laughs> someone, someone was having a birthday and all of the aunties in Mochi were like, okay, <laughs> this is what you need to do before you are tired and old like us. So we went ahead and collected some advice and we want to share that with you today. One thing everyone must do before they turn 25 is step outside of their comfort zone. So whether that's taking a course in school that they otherwise wouldn't take, befriending somebody who maybe they didn't think they would be friends with, traveling somewhere new, um, maybe traveling alone, or even just doing something as simple as you know going to a movie theater by yourself or going to an event that you're a little bit nervous about attending. Um, and I just challenge anybody who's not yet 25 to, again, step outside of their comfort zone because what happens is that you inevitably learn something new about yourself. Um, and that will only make you wiser as you go forth and pursue new endeavors and experience life to the fullest. Step outside your comfort zone. A lot of those things were go to the movie alone and do things alone, <laughs> which I have to say, I completely agree with because I am never alone anymore, ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then also because we're socialized 
to think that we can't do things alone, that you're a loser if you go to the movies alone, you're a loser if you eat alone uh, or travel alone. And uh, it's not that you're not a loser, and you aren't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as far as I can tell, um, you're a perfectly cool person. Um, But it's more that when you get older, you just, one, like if you do get married and have kids or just have kids, because like I tell my children, you do not have to be married to have children. Um, you don't get a lot of time alone, like you said, Jen. And, uh, but then also, I think it's good to be comfortable with yourself. And if you're always waiting for company, then you will always be waiting. And then you'll never get to do the things that you want. That's- yeah. And I think... I think stepping outside of your, it's kind of ironic that stepping outside of your comfort zone almost always involves being comfortable with just who you are and (laughs) what, you know, what that part of you is like. Um, I don't know. What was, what's the most uncomfortable thing you've ever done besides birthing children? Actually, that wasn't too bad. (laughs) I was drugged. That was fine. Um, (laughs) Actually, it, um, it really didn't have very much to do with doing things by myself, um, but it had to do with going after what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So the heart, the thing, the things that are uncomfortable are like, oh, admit saying I'm a good writer because that does, that sounds so like uppity. <laughs> like, who are you to say you're a good writer? Well, I am. And, um, or like, I want to write mm-hmm. or, I want to be famous and I do, this is my vehicle. Um, and yeah. so, so just, I think what's most uncomfortable for me is to acknowledge my desires and then not only acknowledge them to myself, but to say it somewhere and not worry that people are judging me. And because I'm constantly thinking, Oh, people are saying, who do you think you are? Like, who do you think you are to say that you want these things? Um, so but again, you have to be comfortable with yourself to a certain degree to be able to step outside and say those things. Yeah, along the same lines, I think, honestly, one of the most uncomfortable things I, d- I have done in the last few years was the first piece I ever wrote and published about any shred of my Asian American mm. identity. Mm-hmm. Um I think even putting that together was a long process because, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. There's not a lot of Asians here. Mm -hmm. I kind of had a very just white adjacent mindset until about 2016. And we all know what happened in 2016. (laughs) Um, And, but, and then so writing, it was, it was just like a little incident from when I was a child and just reflecting on that. And it brought up so much like, stuff for me, not least of which was um, that piece got published in uh, the Los Angeles Review of Books China channel. And I had pitched it to a couple other places and that was the one that took it. And I was kind of, and when I got that pitch accepted, I was like, oh, isn't it kind of a step down to be writing in an Asian American publication? And then after a couple minutes, I was like, fuck no, it's not a step down. But I had to confront that like, internalized belief that if it wasn't for a white audience, it wasn't as good. And Mm. I've, well, I've spent the last two years systematically kicking that in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, you know, being alone is one way of stepping outside your comfort zone, but like putting yourself out in public Mm -hmm. is also um, a really deep way to do that. And I don't know, I think it, at least for me, it was very easy to stay in sort of a powerless position. Like, okay, I'm a minority. I'm just going to sit over here and not upset people about it. And it took me a while to get to the point where I can, well, have the first words on my website be kick mediocre white men in the face or something. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Yes, definitely find some way to step outside of your comfort zone. And actually, because your whole podcast is actually about stepping outside of your comfort zone, right? Because it is because you cannot you cannot be an entrepreneur and hustle if you are comfortable. 
I mean, unless yes. if you're like some bizarre freak of nature, but like at some point you were uncomfortable and you yes, can't grow very much, so. much if you're uncomfortable. So yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. Let's listen to our next one. Live alone. It will give you gratitude later in life for either when you have a full house and no privacy, or if you continue to live alone, you'll reflect on your first crappy apartment and appreciate how far you've come. Either way, it's a good idea to spend some time with yourself when we live in a society where we're too often afraid to be alone. Okay, confession. Do you look back on your crappy apartment with fondness? I do, because it was empty of human. <laughs> Like that's all there I is want. something about oh, there is something about having your own space to yourself, even if it's I lived in I, I called it the shoebox <laughs> because it was I mean, it's probably like the size of my office right now. And it was a studio apartment. The refrigerator was three feet away from my bed. Um, but and, and I lived there like my senior year of college and all and during that year of grad school and. And there was no windows. <laughs> oh my god! It's like you and it was like above a, It was like above a Jimmy John. So like sometimes in the morning the hall would smell like bread, and then sometimes which was great, and then sometimes it would smell like ham, which was not as great. And <laughs> but you know, I do look at that. I do look at that time and think, you know, that was a pretty critical time in my formation as a person. Mm. Um, not because of the apartment specifically, but just because of where I was in life at that time. Um, the next time I lived alone was in 2013, which was right, which turned out to be right before I met my now husband. But I lo now that apartment I loved. It was like a one bedroom, like Victorian style. Mm -hmm. It was a two up, two down building. And I was on the upstairs floor, like hardwood floors. It was just, well, the oven did, the oven ran like a hundred degrees hotter than it should have. So I burnt the first batch of cookies I baked there, but I figured that out eventually. That apartment I really did love. It was also the first one that I like furnished like a grown up kind of, mm -hmm. like instead of like, <laughs> grabbing horrible cast off things from my parents basement which which you know is a necessary part of life but that was the first time I'm like I'm gonna buy a love seat and it's gonna be cute that was the first time I had ever done that <laughs> well you forgot to mention the best part about having your own apartment that you can have sex without anybody bothering you <laughs> you don't have to worry about like oh my god are my parents or my roommate coming home soon um I mean, you have to be reasonably respectful for your neighbors. So, like, right. don't be trying to film a porn. But you could if you wanted to, if you didn't you care. Could, you could film one quietly. Or, or not so quietly, but just, you know, <laughs> be prepared to be interrupted by people, like, slamming on the wall. This next one, I think, will be up your alley. Let's take a listen. All right. Open up a retirement account for yourself because even if you can only afford to put 25 bucks in it right now, time is on your side and there is far too much money in the hands of wealthy white men right now. All right. As a former financial advisor who is still currently licensed but doing nothing with it. Uh, yes, you should open up a retirement account as young as possible due to the time value of money, meaning that... Well, I used to know all this stuff, but and say it in a smarter way. But basically, you know, it takes time for things to grow. So if you have a if you have a longer time period, you can adjust for ups and downs in the market much more easily. Versus if you have a constricted time period, every any type of up and down in the market really either makes you a millionaire or you become destitute, right? So because over time, the market generally increases so your stocks generally will go up so if you start opening an account as soon as you get a job say you're 15 16 even 18 then your money has time to grow um, and if you also put in a little bit i would add to that that if it is possible to get in the habit of adding to that retirement account because if you open it and don't put anything in it it's pretty much the same as not having one. So get in the habit of putting aside $5 a week, $10 a week and have it increase or, or more um, and have it increase every week or every year. Um, because when you get used to setting aside money, 
then it'll then when you make more money, you can set aside even more money. Um, and as soon as basically your older self will thank you because you're all you're no one's going to provide for your retirement except for yourself, unless if you marry like super rich, and then taking half their assets as part of your prenup. So. <laughs> Yeah, my parents had me open a retirement account, I think, in college. Oh, good, good. And they had me put, well, I put some of my scholarship money in there, and then I think, well, because I had gotten college scholarships, they took the money that they had saved for college and started chipping that into the retirement account for me. So it's a pretty, I think it's, yes, I, I at least will not die if everything falls apart tomorrow, so... (laughs) So yes, retirement accounts. And again, it's no guarantee either that you'll be able to retire just because you have retirement accounts. Uh, And just remember, inflation, things cost more. I mean, if you just look back at gas, I still remember a time when gas was a dollar a gallon. Me too. Me too. And it was like such a big deal when it went above a dollar or something like that. And now it's like... Well, now, now it's like two thirty-five. I remember, like it during the recession, it was like five dollars right. a gallon. Hush, you non-Californians. California's gas is always like a bajillion dollars more. Because okay, I'm not saying we shouldn't care about the environment and stuff, but yes, it's like eighty bucks every time I fill up a tank of gas. Oh. <laughs> well, and everything is so far apart in California. Or like you have to go, or I don't know, in like the bigger cities. So I live in a I live in a small enough town where like anything worth going to is fifteen minutes away. Oh, nice! If you, like further than fifteen, like it's just like cornfields and Trump signs. So like, why would you go there? <laughs> and like, I fill up my tank once every like six to eight weeks because no. and, I have a, and I have a small car because like, and that fifteen minutes is only like four miles because it's only it's all surface streets it just takes you longer to get there so i I don't know that i would recommend living in the midwest necessarily i'm sorry but the cost of living is really really nice here yeah the bay area is just insane i could have retired also something also (laughs) something for young people to consider live somewhere where you can get a three-bedroom house with a garage and a yard for fifteen hundred dollars a month is the is the penalty being surrounded by white people though because it is okay that's kind of a steep like penalty if you're if you're used to it i mean okay yeah yeah if you're used to it maybe the penalty is no good asian food and that's not true there's there's a couple authentic places here that are that serve like food for asians not Mm. because you're in your university right yes you win some, you lose some. I mean, that's a life lesson there. Like you just, you have to, you just have to figure out what you want and what you're willing to give up to give what you want because nobody can have everything. Liar. Lies. Lies. Falsehood. No, it's, sorry kids, it's true. <laughs> All right, let's take a listen to our next piece of advice. Spend some time with your older relatives. It might seem like a downer, but... You never know how much time you've got with them and they've, they're full of stories that nobody else can tell you. So my advice for before you turn 25 is to appreciate all the time you've got with your grandparents, your elder relatives and anyone else in your life who is, who's got many, many years of wisdom on you. I haven't been able to watch the farewell yet because I haven't I'm either because I'm not emotionally stable enough. To no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I I do know the ending, though. Oh, I don't. Don't say anything. I can't handle it. Older relatives. um, Yeah, I think think that's a hard one for Asians uh, of the diaspora because, one, um, there's no way I could have even asked my maternal grandparents because they spoke Taiwanese. And I speak Mandarin at best. Right. Right? Like, so, um, I feel like that's a really... That's a very loaded piece yeah. of advice. I don't it's think valuable. it's valuable. Yeah, she's right. But man, that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. And, and the people that I could ask, I hate. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 
minor detail. Minor. Well, okay. I don't hate my mother. I could ask her. And I, I guess if before I was 25, she wasn't 50 yet. So, and we obviously could speak in English about it or Chinese about it. But, but like, I, like there's off almost, there's almost always geographic barriers, Mm -hmm. language barriers, cultural barriers, lack of emotional vocabulary barriers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's, I, 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 I don't disagree with it because I am sad that I don't have um, stories really about my grandparents, just whatever my mom might remember or my, well, if I were talking to my dad, I guess he would have told us. Um, But yeah, I feel like that's a really, really, I mean, maybe the next generation is, the next generation, I sound so fucking old. Um, (laughs) So bitter that I just, those words just came out of my mouth. But maybe, Maybe is it Gen Z then? Is that Gen Z? Gen Z, yeah, I think, or whatever so. name they come up with before. Then. Um, maybe, maybe that's different. I don't know. Maybe they're closer to their grandparents than I. And I, I think I, I don't know. I feel like so much gets lost in the immigration process. Mm-hmm. So much history, so much memory, because. The people who are immigrating are just trying to survive at that point. And uh, yeah, so much of it gets lost. I, gosh, the, when was the last time I went back to Taiwan? 2013? Oh. And I went, it was, it's been a long time. And mm-hmm. then, then I met a boy and then I got married and then I had a kid and I should, I should have gone when that kid was tiny mm-hmm. and just slept all the time and didn't eat anything besides my boobs and now it's I can't handle it but it was probably financially not feasible at the time probably when he was small probably not though he would have been free (laughs) (laughs) you'd have just had to pay taxes you're the expert Taiwan traveler we'll do Uh, a whole other episode on that (laughs) but so yeah so 2013 was the last time I shit was the last time I saw my grandmother she passed away in 2018 and but this is your dad's mom right you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My mom's parents were gone before I was born because oh. she was she was the youngest of seven. Oh. And then also was a late not an older mom, but just a well, maybe yeah. Okay. She was she was she was a later mom when by the time I was born. So um although I think my, my dad's side of the family is just like they must have eaten a lot of noodles or something because their longevity <laughs> is like <laughs> <laughs> and they did I like do, yeah they're awesome. they're they're from they're from Henan so they ate lots of noodles and got lots of long life stuff I guess That's but right. um um I do have one recording of my grandmother speaking and it's on it's on this like little mini cassette tape thing and it's, oh. and it's, st- it's still literally in the cassette recorder because I don't know what to do with it and I have to I have to get it digitized somehow before the magnetic tape stops working yeah um but it was really neat and i think she was probably like the hell are you asking me these questions for oh that's funny (laughs) but you know there were some stories that i had never heard before like my my dad likes to tell stories so i have some from his childhood but like the one story that i remember really well that, that i had not heard before like i asked my grandmother like oh you know, because my dad, my dad left when he was like 21, 22, oh, right after right, college, right. he went to the States. And I was like, oh, you know, were you sad? And she was like, no, I said, like, are you, were you sad? Were you, was it hard for you to let go? And she was like, of course it was, but you know, it was good for him. And that's what he needed. And I was like, wow, that's very not clingy Asian parent. <laughs> well, I feel like um, when it's a question of going to America, where it's yeah. a land of opportunity, yeah. parents are like, yeah, go. But if it was like he stayed in Taiwan and wanted to be an artist, then she'd be like, no, you cannot do that. <laughs> right? Like, so I think, I think it's a, uh, well, maybe your grandma would have been okay with it. I don't know. But, um, but you know what I mean? I feel like when it's a question of opportunity, 
and um and education yeah they have a realistic mindset about the limitations of taiwan yeah or, or whatever whatever country yeah. you're from um yeah i don't remember my grandfather's voice anymore oh. it, was kind of, it was sad when i realized that I highly recommend taking a trip to visit your country or countries of origin without your parents as a young adult. It's very different than going as a kid and being dragged along with your parents, but very different when you go exploring around and connecting with your ancestry um, on your own, from your own perspective and your own motivation. Yes, visit your home country and or country of origin without your parents. I 100% co-sign on this. I, even mm -hmm. though I've only done this once, um, it is a totally different experience. And, you know, and I was still hanging out with relatives like 90% of the time that mm -hmm. I was there. But I think, at least this was my experience, like when my parents are not there to like buffer and mediate, it is a different experience. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think most of my relatives, because they, I mean, they knew I was from Amer the States and I think they were just impressed that I could like live. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't die on the spot. <laughs> like I, I took the high speed rail cause I, w I went to Taiwan in 2008 for a missions trip, which I'm never going to do that again. But, um, and then afterwards I stayed on to spend some time with my extended family. And at one point I took the, high-speed rail from Taipei to Kaohsiung and like my Kaohsiung relatives were so impressed that I had like taken the train and not I don't know fallen out the window or something they were like wow how bang on I was like <laughs> I know how to take a train guys but it, I mean even when I traveled the first time I went back to Taiwan by myself ever was after I had kids so it's like yeah, I was going to ask if you had ever been before. Yeah. So, um, well, I, so when I had just graduated college or during college, my friend, one of my really good friends was like, Hey, I'm going to do the love boat. You should do the love boat. And I was like, but what, what, why? <laughs> Explain to listeners what love boat oh, is. Oh, um, sorry. I just assumed everyone should <laughs> For know. the non-Taiwanese diaspora. So love boat is, actually, I don't think that's its name. I think that's just what we call it. I think it's a it. Yeah. yeah. So I, don't, I have no idea what it's actually called. Um, but it's sponsored by Taiwan, uh, the country, I think, uh, or the government. Or and you have to... <laughs> You have to have at least, um, you have to be Taiwanese. Someone in your family that you are directly related to has to have been Taiwanese. So you have to have Taiwanese blood in you. And by Taiwanese, I don't mean the indigenous people of Taiwan, but people who, they have to prove that they are Taiwan citizens at some point. Um, and because it's a way to get like culture in you and to like, not really learn the language, but to see the country. I, I don't know. I've never been. Um, but it's just like a bunch of co horny college students, right? <laughs> so, That's so. why I didn't go because I was too Christian, uptight. <laughs> yep, yep. And then, yep, and yep. I'm so bitter that I didn't go because apparently it was so fucking fun. Like they went clubbing, you know. And the drinking age in Taiwan, I think, is 18. I think I would have fallen asleep if we had gone clubbing. I've always that's oh, very, well, very I, old and have always been old in that regard. Um, anyway, you, you are yeah. you, you do out on TV. <laughs> yeah, so I totally agree with that. Um, even even if you're old like me, yeah, um, it's uh, okay. So the benefit of traveling with your family is usually your parents will pay for everything. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so you know what? I mean, there are But the pros. thing is, if you go and you stay with extended family, they will just feed you and house you. True, and but if you go you. and stay with extended family, then you probably can't go clubbing, right? Fair. Like, so, if, go, um, if I went with my parents, I would not be able to go clubbing. Right? Like, so to, like, to have like sexy times, like sexy adventures however you define sexy, it's really difficult with your family. Unless if that's how you made your family, like if you, you've brought your own nuclear family. Um, 
but if you're young and untethered, um, it, it, yeah, it's a fine line. So what you could do is you could tag on time at the beginning or at the end. I would tag it on at the end and not at the beginning because, but like if you tag it on at the end, your brain is already kind of used to conversing in this like language that is perhaps not your most fluent one. Um, but if you tag it on at the beginning, you're still going through culture shock. Right. Um, Do you still get culture shock? Oh, yes. Me too. I go through like all six or whatever phases in however long I'm there. It's just the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, I feel like six weeks is just about the right amount of time. Oh, um, we've never done that long. I think our longest day has been four or five weeks. I mean, four or five weeks is plenty fucking long too. But I feel like it takes that long for your brain to like finally accept that you're in that foreign country. <laughs> Or maybe when you're younger, your brain is more agile. But no, for, no, no, and no, and no, no, no. But yeah, it takes my kids at least four weeks to like finally switch in their brain that they're in a different country and that they perhaps should speak Chinese because no one will understand them if they speak English. I mean, they will, but the lie is that the lie I sell them is you have to speak Chinese because you're Chinese. <laughs> So yes, go visit. You can do lots of cool things. I would have loved to have gone clubbing in Taiwan. Apparently it's super fun. Or even just even just not having the experience filtered through your parents, like because they're familiar with it. And mm. so they're just like, oh yeah, this is whatever. And I'm like, I've never been to Shimen thing or any of these things before. Like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ex like I think being able to experience the novelty of it mm -hmm. um when you're not with your parents is something that's although if you have cousins yes. who are still there and you're same age, that's fun. That's super fun. Um because they'll know like young people things. Right, exactly. Right. And, and then and then go to Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall every single day. <laughs> you know what's so funny, though? Because I feel like whenever I went back to visit my family, we never went to tourist things, ever, oh my God. because they lived there. My, and then... My parents would do touristy things. Oh, my God, my parents would never. But the thing is, um, I only know the insides of certain restaurants. <laughs> like, like, we just... And they eat at the same restaurant. Because, of course, if my friends came over to visit me, I would just take them to the same shitty restaurant. You take them to your like, same favorite restaurant. Right. So I, I only know, like, I think I've gone back to Taiwan every single year since 2014. Wow. Um, so you could, you sh one should say, like, oh, I would know Taiwan better. But really, in Kaohsiung, I only know, like, four restaurants. The inside the four restaurants, and it's like one particular hotel. <laughs> right? I only know. I only know in Kaohsiung. I only know my aunt's house and Jalofu, and that's it. Right? Yeah. See. So. Um, so yeah. So yes. Go. Go without family, but if there are benefits to going with family, and yes, it's sure. usually monetary. Do both. Yes. Do, do both, both if you. Oh can. yeah. Right. Right. We don't have to do either or. <laughs> Okay, so then next. All right. Next up. When my husband and I first got married, we did dinner at 7 o'clock every night in front of the TV, watching Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Now, I still love those shows, but looking back, I often wish that we had eaten out more often and really taken advantage of not having kids during that time. So my advice would be to be flexible, be spontaneous, and don't be so frugal. Because there's plenty of time later in life to act like an old person. <laughs> okay, see, that actually sounds wonderful to me. Like, <laughs> eating dinner at 7 o'clock and watching Jeopardy actually sounds great to me. But I, I will concede her point. Be flexible, be spontaneous, be less frugal. But I am a, ho I'm a homebody and an introvert married to a homebody and an introvert, mm. so... That sounds fantastic to me. No, I, I totally, I don't think we ever cooked. I, I'm actually surprised that I have lived till 41 because I really don't <laughs> know how we ate. I, I, we must have, right? Because I gained a lot of weight since I started. You know, I kind of don't, I kind of don't remember like, I kind of don't remember life before kids either. Oh, I remember life before kids. I just don't know how we lived. 
right? Like I, I feel like we ate all, all the time, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I hate cooking. <laughs> I mean, we always eat out. I think like 95% of the time. So maybe do like a mixture between the two, because if you eat out 95% of the time, you a gain weight because butter makes everything better. <laughs> Right, like, uh, and then too, it's not financially sound to always, unless if you're independently wealthy, then by by all means, yeah. I, was that say, I think we probably didn't. We we did. We would eat out like two or three times a month, but we were mostly surviving on a graduate student stipend and mm. a teacher salary, which which in Central Ohio doesn't not go far, but it doesn't go super far. Mm, um, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, it It was great. Let me tell you. I miss it. And uh, It's also much cheaper to eat out when it's only two people and not two people and like seven little people who all want chicken nuggets that they won't eat and then want macaroni that they won't eat. Yes. Not that I know anything about that. I only have one. But, but there, I mean, it's still awful. Although... although it's fun now. No, 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 it's not. No, fun. it's not. <laughs> no. Um, but I mean, I used to watch a movie. We used to watch a movie, at, at least one movie every weekend. Like every weekend. I feel like we did too. Actually, you know? if you ask my husband, like, what to do before you have children, he would say, go out and watch movies in theaters. Because that is impossible once you have a little baby, unless you have good reliable babysitters which mm -hmm. are very hard to come by yeah yeah but now we have disney plus and he bought like a seven thousand inch tv so it's basically the same thing <laughs> <laughs> okay so the next one is uh, ophelia's learn how to socialize with your peers in ways that don't involve alcohol and don't require people to spend money yeah <laughs> that's most of my socializing socializing Anyway, so that's that's how I do it, but that's not I feel like how most people did it when really? I was yeah. Hmm. Um especially and this is not as much of an issue now, but um in my well, am I not I'm not in my twenties anymore. In my twenties. <laughs> um for actually throughout all through all of my twenties, I um lived with an eating disorder and so it was so like getting together with friends around food was always this like fraught mm. complicated internally thing and which is not to say you should not share meals I think it, that's a healthy and a wonderful thing to do but just to not have it be like the only way to socialize ah uh, um, yeah 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 that and I think and like more I think more and more people are well at least my impression is that more and more people are choosing to live sober lifestyles. And so, but like, it's such, it's alcohol is still such a social lubricant that if you don't drink, it's like still kind of awkward that you're not. And so mm. just, I don't know, having, knowing ways that you can socialize without either of those things um, is definitely a useful skill to have. I don't know. What can you do? I mean, I used on, to play like, board games. Hunt. Board games. We used yes. to play board games all the time. Like we would meet at least my husband called it my nerd herd friends. And I'm like, yeah, because we're awesome. But there was alcohol at the board games, but you didn't have to drink. It wasn't like. Right. Um, right. And I was But that's never, different because you're in somebody's home and there's something else to do versus like, hey, let's go to the bar. And it's like, all right, there's nothing to do here. I think my solution to that is actually get better friends. <laughs> like, I'm. Very true. I'm kind of joking, but like, you know, everybody has their like sets of friends, right? Like you have the party friends who like, I, I don't, I don't have party friends. I mean, I, I know party people. I just, we're just, that's not my scene. So like ever, like, I'm just not, I, I hate loud places. Like I am a very big extrovert, but I, that doesn't mean I enjoy being around. I, I, I enjoy connecting to people. So I feel like the ideal group gathering is six to eight people. Because then you can actually talk to everybody without it being like 
shouting at each other. Um, but yeah, so I would say get better friends. <laughs> if all you do is drink or like party or just like throw down lots of money. To or even like shopping. Like what if somebody doesn't have money to spend that? People do or... that? People go out just I... to shop? I think so. What? But why when there's the internet? I don't... That's baffling. I mean, we're at a point where we sometimes will turn trips to the mall or trips to Target into family time because, again, babysitters are hard to come by. So we'll go to Target and give ourselves time to just, like, mosey around and look at stuff. And everybody gets to pick a treat, whether that's an edible treat or not. And Mm. then we all go home. But some people shop recreationally. and Without kids? Because I feel like the only time I've ever, like... That would not be fun with children. No, 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 no. The only time I've ever actually had, like, hangout times with my friends to purposely to buy things is when we had children. Because we had to... So we used to um, plan Costco trips together or Target runs. That's the most Asian thing. No, because, one, we had to do it anyway. Sure. Two, um, we didn't have time to do anything else. And three... We could at least like chat during. This. And then you can also imprison your children in the cart. Right. This is when our children were really small. Um, right. So, so I, uh, there was like a good year or two when the only times I got to hang out with certain of my friends was because we were running errands together. Um, that's a pro tip, children. <laughs> like if you don't have time to hang out with your friends when you have children. Yeah, go run or, or in general, like go do life things that you need to do together. Like we do family grocery trips and that counts as family time because that's what we need to do right now. <laughs> um, okay, so ideas for hanging out that don't cost money or require alcohol. Go. Board games, one. I guess Netflix and chill. Oh, wait, that implies hooking up? I don't know. I think Netflix I've- and Netflix and Netflix. Yeah, like. Just literally watching just, Netflix. Just, yeah. No, I mean, unless if your friends roll that way too, then you can, you know. I mean, that's fine too. That's cool. So go, go do that. Go for a walk just, in the park. Yeah. Um, run errands together. Now that requires you to spend money, but it's not like extra money typically. You would have spent it anyway. Right. Um, um, tabletop RPGs. <laughs> okay, that's like board games, right? Like, it is if like you're, board games. One of my friends does a regular D&D thing every week. And uh, I feel like these are all very nerdy things, but you could do like gallery hops if you live where there's culture. Don't make that face at me. Uh, I mean, oh, yes, art's wonderful. <laughs> or just like window shopping in general. Yes. Be careful if the windows are too clean, though, yeah. because I have walked into a window. And it was amusing for everyone else, but we couldn't go in that store because I was mortified. Um, but I feel um, like the reason why so many activities revolve around food is because that's usually when you have time. Right. Right. Like right. Um, you have yeah, to eat I'm not anyway. saying never eat with your friends. I'm not <laughs> saying that. Just like ever. What are some never. other options? I went to the art museum with my friends a couple of times. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. It was free on Sundays. And so we would just go and look at stuff and you don't have to be like a big art historian oh, and to true. just be like oh I like this or oh I hate this it gives you something to talk about mm-hmm. uh, I used to wander used bookstores yes yes those are the best yes and then uh, we would go to cafes I mean that's not that does spend money but you just but it's for food which you would have to eat anyway but it's not like food food I kept like you could just right. get a tea if you wanted to. Or, or someone just has to order something. Or Starbucks technically is a public space. If they want to be a third space, you don't actually have to buy anything to be there. Um, nice. What else did we used to do? Oh, if you live near like a beach, people would do beachy oh. things. Yeah. Or like if you live near a forest like I do, you can go for a hike in the forest. I think no, we have no. a beach here. It's a lake beach. Okay, that counts. I think it was... Cl- I think it was closed all summer because of algae. Oh, ew. Ew. Yeah, don't go into algae. Um, Change. What are we going to do? Yeah, I feel like there's lots of like nature-y things you can do, which I wouldn't know about because I don't believe in nature. Um, Road trips. Well, these are, 
I, I just feel like if you just do life with people, it's yes. If like you don't have to go out of your way to spend extra money, you know, like I, I, I think that that's how I take her advice to be. So what Virginia, what is your best piece of advice for people to do before they turn 25? Uh, do shit. I mean, also poop, but like, I mean, I like, do things, <laughs> <laughs> like do stuff. Like there is just do what, do the things that you want to do, um, before you have like mortgages or children or like you're tethered to somebody or your parents are sick and you have to like take care of them. Like do things. I regret. That's what I most regret. And that's why I had a, like a midlife crisis last year. It's just, I just didn't do things. I didn't try things. I was too afraid. And you know what? You're always going to be afraid and it'll just get worse because you'll just be older and you'll just have more to lose. So do things like do things that are because the risk for you to do it right now is low, right? Like (laughs) relatively low, you know? So my advice for those under 25, quit something. Oh, Find some, like, quit a job, quit a relationship, quit school. If it's not the right thing for you, you know, give up on something. Cut something loose. That's my advice. Because I think when we're young, it's always like, do more, get more, grab the next thing. But at a certain point, I think at least in my life, like at a certain point, it's time to let shit go. That is no longer useful for you. Um, I have quit a job. I have quit multiple relationships. I did not quit school because I didn't figure that out until after I was just done with school in general. Um, I did jump out of an airplane. Uh, yeah, quit something. And it can, and it can be, I mean, it could be, or quit, quit a friendship. I mean, I I definitely stay in friendships or I hold on to friendships longer than the other person does and you know if it's not adding you know you don't have to you don't have to be an asshole about quitting but <laughs> I mean you can if you want to depends on the circumstances um but yeah look at the things in your life and if there are things that are not making your life better Pick one and quit it. Do it. Do it at least once before you're 25, because you know you can't. You cannot acquire an infinite number of relationships and burdens and responsibilities. So just practice quitting some of those. That's my advice. You're gonna get like like angry reader, mail, like listener mail saying like, "You told me to break up with my fiance." <laughs> If he's not the right person for you, you should break off from him. I don't believe in soulmates, but I've, if you need advice about dating, don't call me because I did stupid things. No, we should call you because you did stupid things. I will tell you what not to do. Most of which is staying longer than the other person is interested in you. So again, quit things. Oh, quit yeah. While you're, quit while you're ahead. Yeah. <laughs> or, or. Or better, more seriously, quit when you're done. Yeah, yeah. Don't hang on. Don't hang on past the shelf life because it's just, it's ugly. It's painful. It's, you do more damage when you cling to something that has Mm -hmm. outlived. There's also, I know you're saying it from the point of view of, you know, someone who, my understanding is that you want to be with them and they may not want to be with you any longer, but you just clean. But also from the other side, like if you're done with a person, yes, 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 be done with them. Like I did my ex-boyfriend such a disservice because me too. I was done with him, but I was afraid because I had assumed we were going to get married. Me too. So I was like, well, if we break up, then there goes my chances of getting married. And really, I was so hot. Like, it would have been so simple to get married again. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so I kind of strung him along. I made him think he was, like, savable. But the whole time, I'm like... Oh, my God. We must be related. Going out with my thing. current husband. You know? <laughs> like, you know? And just not being fair to my ex-boyfriend. 
Uh, and yes, you could say like he contributed to the mess, blah blah blah. But like, be a grown up about it. If you want somebody else, quit the person you're with now and go for the other person. But don't like. No one wants to be a backup plan. No one wants to be like treated like garbage. So don't right. don't treat people like garbage. Right. Or like if you're in a job situation and you hate your job and you just show up every day and you're crabby and you don't do a good job, like that's on you. Just go, quit. Go find something else. Don't make other people miserable because you can't quit something. Mm -hmm. I mean, also be responsible. Well, so yes, like, be responsible. Like, <laughs> like pay your rent. You yes. Know, like, yes, do it responsibly. Right, but like know. find I a new job. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And Although sometimes, I mean. Oh, no, that's true. If you have savings. I mean, in my life, I have never not been able to find a job when I wanted to. And I don't have the most, like, desirable of degrees ever. I have an education master's. Um, but I've been able to find jobs in lots of other fields. So, yes, Quit something. Practice quitting, even if it's something little. Yeah, quit procrastination. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the hardest one on there. <laughs> right. Right. Well, we hope that this gives you something to do in the new year in 2020. Try some of these lovely advices from the Asian aunties and uncle in your life. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Chief Executive Auntie. You can find show notes, resource links, and more Auntie rants at chiefexecutiveauntie.com. That's chiefexecutive, A-U-N-T-I-E.com. Special thanks to Sue Ann Shaw, who mixed and mastered this episode and composed the music. Alyssa De La Rosa, who created the branding, and my distribution partner, Mochi Magazine. Check out more stories for Asian American women at www.mochimag.com. That's M-O-C-H-I-M-A-G.com. See you next time.